Hi, I'm Kieran Cook, and welcome to At Source Podcast, a place where natural health and well-being are at the forefront of the conversation. Gain useful insights direct from the source from doctors, industry experts, wellness advocates, and everything in between. This is a place for busy people who want to get to the core of health and wellness with information about the latest health advances and trends. In this series, we talk with and learn from inspiring leaders from all walks of life, touching on important topics that will help answer some of the key questions about natural health, well-being, fitness, and all things direct from the source. Today on the At Source podcast, we have Robin Wilson, wellness specialist and resilience coach. In the course of her work, Robin noticed a reoccurring theme amongst many of her clients, most of their well-being concerns linked back to the workplace. Inspired to focus on treating the cause, not the symptom, she founded Workplace Wellness as a way to create positive change that benefits both employer and employee. Her passion revolves around helping others implement holistic change in their lives to improve their own well-being and contribute with greater impact to the world around them. Hi, Robin. Thanks so much for joining us virtually today as we are currently in Level 4 lockdown here in New Zealand. It's great to know that, you know, even in these uncertain times, we can still bring people together, have a conversation and get to the source of information. So before we jump into the conversation, how are you doing, Robin? Are you working from home at the moment? I am, and I'm very, very blessed that I've got a beautiful spot where I'm looking out to trees, sunshine, and you might even hear the birds in the background. Lovely. So where, where are you based? Yeah, I'm based in Hawke's Bay in the Havelock North. Lovely, and I've heard the weather's very good down there. It's like summer. Yeah. It's yeah. glorious today, yeah. Bit of a chilly frost, but um, yeah. I was meant to uh, head down there just uh, this coming weekend for a show at the um, Hastings City Gallery. And I had all my accommodation booked. And when I cancelled it last night, uh, the host said, oh, you are missing out on the best weather ever. So that's why I knew the weather was good. Well, look, it is great to have you here today, despite lockdown four. We're still sort of boxing on business as usual here at the um, At Source podcast. So I was just interested in a little bit of your background, of course, um, a little bit about your journey. Um, I understand that you've had a banking a big banking background, actually, and, uh, you know, 34 years at the ANZ and also uh, very engaged with Dementia Hawke's Bay, which was a not-for-profit organisation. I'm just interested in how that journey has paved the way to, you know, to where you are today. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, yes, you're exactly right. A very long career in banking and one that I really, really enjoyed. And people will often say to me, goodness me, that's so different to what you're doing now. But actually, it's not. It's just actually all about people. And that was what sort of led me on that journey. I had the opportunity, um, yeah, to, to leave. And that gave me the chance to actually re, retrain and study and do what I'm doing now. But if I was to wind the clock back, um, basically in that time with the bank, I, I was the breadwinner. So my husband um, was seriously unwell with lots of head injuries, back and neck and things like that. So it did work out well for us in the fact that he was at home with our boys. And um, that, you know, allowed me to do what I did. But I ended up being um, one of those superwoman people in a way. And my cape and tights uh, ended up, yeah, wearing out basically and getting some ladders in them. So around that sort of that time of 2000-ish, I'd sort of describe it as really I was a bit past um, my best by date. 
and had a move sideways um, in the bank. And I then went on to lose weight because I sort of look quite different than what I did now. Um, got really fit, did some bodybuilding, you know, went in all sorts of events and things. And that was great. I really loved it. But I really just looked at the physical aspect of well-being and fast forward a little bit more and I ended up with an autoimmune disease because I hadn't really dealt with the stress in my life. So then went on though to heal myself naturally. Um, yeah, and opportunity came along, as I say, to leave. But, you know, that was a big, long journey in a condensed period of time. But also what I've learned has actually been able to help my husband and he's way better now Um than what he was so yeah so I retrained as a health and wellness coach um, also as a um, therapeutic massage therapist um, because I'd always had, had an interest in, in that type of thing mm. then also a stint in a not-for-profit yeah I mean working not-for-profit's very rewarding it's hard work and, and re- relentless I've had a had a, a bit of that myself but um, you always feel like the work that you're doing is really worthy and I'm imagining too that right now in the space that you're in, that that sort of psychic pay that you often get working and not for profit is something that you're carrying with you at the moment and the work that you do with people. Yeah. And it's that thing about, you know, you'll often say, what's your purpose or your passion? And we don't sort of necessarily know. It doesn't come like a lightning bolt to us. But that thing of living authentically and actually really finding what their calling is and having purpose and passion. And I think the times that we're going through now too, you know, last lockdown, we heard about people having what we call a pandemic reaction, where it's like, hmm, actually, what's this all about? So that thing of being able to give back and have purpose is so important. It it is, and I do wonder if that sense of purpose and this living authentically that you bring up here is something that's more linked to ages and stages. Like, I don't think I was running around at 25 and 30 going, how do I live authentically? Uh, It might be something that I'm thinking more about now, you know, in that sort of slightly more mature bracket. Would that be a fair comment? Yeah, I think it is. But I also very much see, you know, younger people that are coming through perhaps are very different to what we were at that age and stage in life. I just look at... My two sons, you know, 25 and 30, their partners, you know, their their attitudes to life, the way they do things yeah. is quite different. I actually agree with you. I've got a I've got a 19-year-old son, nearly 20, who seems to be very conscious about the food that he puts in his body. Uh-huh. Uh, you definitely wouldn't drink and drive. Um, they just seem to be, you know, even the way they go about, you know, in their relationships, they just seem to be so much more measured and sensible. Um, so, so no, I do I do hear what you're saying. And, uh-huh. yeah, I mean, maybe the, the Zs are they're living a more conscious sort of life. They're caring more about the planet and, you know, uh-huh. the shifts with nutrition to plant-based there does seem to be a wave of consciousness. So that's probably a a fair comment. Um, Okay, so uh, interesting. I was um, wanting to hear a little bit about workplace wellness because that's why we're here today. And I was, um, you know, thanks for sharing your journey because actually that's a really big journey. Um, and, And just in terms of your foray into wellness, this initial sort of thinking that actually being physically strong and physically fit was going to kind of tickle the boxes and along the way you'd get that sense of wholeness and then you're actually stepping back from that and going, well, it's actually just a little bit more than that. Um, It isn't just about, you know, how much brawn I've got. Um, There are other kind of dimensions to our 
you know, to our essence um, that we sort of do need to work to, be, you know, to be nurturing, to be feeling well. Um, so, you know, you've you've sort of in this very big space because it, it is, you know, there's quite a lot of people doing this work, and you know, in New Zealand, which is a relatively small kind of community, I guess. Um, I'm just interested in this uh, this surge of of interest. You know, what do you think's caused? This awakening in the, in the wellness industry, um, particularly in in relation to the workplace, like what what a healthy workplace might look like. I think you know people too are just realising that we have to do things differently, and from a business perspective, it, it just makes sense to be you know looking after people. People might initially look at that and think oh my gosh, you know, as employers, it's just going to cost me a whole lot of money. Well, actually, no, if you flip that around the other way, the research just tells us not at all. You know, it may be a basically a $6 return or even greater for every dollar that you spend. So, you know, there's that money side of it. But, you know, it is all just about looking after people and having conversations. And I think we're in a very changing, changing world. Um, in yeah. Workplace Wellness here, we, though, come very much from a strategic approach because you've got to get to the root cause of things. So a little bit like me um, running around doing things on the physical side of it, you've really got to look at the big picture and take a holistic view um, to do with your your well-being. You know, there's no point just having, um, you know, fruit bowls and Monday movement and that sort of stuff. How does this actually really align? What are your people saying? What's going on below the waterline? You know, what was, what for me, once again, what was showing up um, that was really going on inside that wasn't there necessarily on the surface to see? Mm. Well, they're, they're pretty big issues. I mean, if we think about, you know, a more sort of newsworthy, topical, you know, workplace culture like Cycling New Zealand, for example, and the pressure oh. on high-performance athletes oh. and some of the stuff that's sort of, you know, erupting now, Um oh. It's a, sort of a very, I guess, timely conversation uh-huh. where athletes are now starting to speak out and really sort of get under the surface. Um, okay. And I'd imagine there'd be a lot more sort of workplaces and, and hostile environments that, you know, have yet to sort of embark on that journey. I guess I'm just interested from your perspective. Do uh-huh. you think the larger enterprise organisations are more in tune with this because they have, um, you know, a much more rounded HR and people and culture wellness function within their organisations and that the small to medium-sized businesses are the ones that are suffering or finding the stress points a bit tougher? Absolutely, because in a big organisation you have, yeah, as you say, you've got the HR, you've got a lot more resources there potentially to be able to help your, help your team out. But yes, the little person or even um, you know, mum and dad in business on their own sort of type scenario, what do they do? They might be employing just a few people. What does that actually look like? Who do they turn to? They're trying to do all things and be a track of all trades. Or those other you know, smaller businesses, maybe they've got 20, 50 staff as opposed to the corporates. Yeah, and I think what we were seeing prior to the to the lockdown too was absolute capacity issues out there in businesses that the economy going gangbusters and organisations and people just really struggling with capacity yeah. around staffing and all those sorts of things and feeling like they just haven't even got time to look at this stuff. And it's just, yeah. you know, another bit of fluffy thing out there and... Yeah, a nice to have. And budget allocations, right, to be sort of awarding budgets for this sort of thing when everybody's just interested in their bottom line and a lot of companies are just very sales-focused, right, and they have poor retention because they're sort of losing their people. 
Totally. Yeah. But once again, you know, just understanding some of those costs to the business where replacing somebody costs anywhere between 75 and 150% of their salary. So a bit of a no brainer, but it's around yeah. how do we get, how do we share that knowledge with people um, so that they can make lasting changes. And it's a long term thing. It doesn't happen overnight. No, no, that's right. Um, so, I mean, I'm just interested because, we, you know, we've been had, we've had a, a lot of publicity around the, uh, breakthrough that Perpetual Guardian had with their four-day week and, you know, that made news around the world. Um, and then, of course, with lockdowns and COVID at the moment and this sort of era that we're in, flexible work has been a great topic of conversation. And I don't know about you, but I've seen a lot of really interesting commentary on LinkedIn about it. Um, you know, you know, companies, large organisations like Deloitte moving to flexible um, home office scenarios, you know, in quite traditional cultural you know, accountancy, so sort of some really progressive thinking with some organisations. And it's been on the rise, I think, across many countries and even governments are talking about it. So what are your thoughts about flexible work and product productivity and, and how does that relate to sort of keeping well and staying well? I, I mean, I think it's fabulous that... Um COVID's been a great thing that it's actually fast forwarded all of this and people have got to realise, gosh, we can trust our staff and they are getting through the work and all that sort of thing, which traditionally there's been some of those barriers out there. But I think there needs to be sort of a bit of a balance in there because we do need that connection. We're social based, you know, we did evolve around the campfire type thing. And people would often say to me when I left the bank, oh, you know, do you miss the bank? And my comment would be, well, yeah, I miss the people. I miss that connection, those water cooler conversations. So actually, how do you turn those accidental conversations that we have each day into intentional? Because it's how do we keep connected. So for the introverts out there, um, they're absolutely loving lockdown and being at home and that type of thing. But for other people who are generally, you know, ones lighting up the office space, yeah, they could be really struggling. So it's actually about having conversations. How do you connect in with everybody and keep them connected? But I'm a big fan of, um, yeah, absolutely flexibility. Um, But making sure you've got a clear policy around it and people understand it. And, and rather than some wishy-washy, you know, things that people really don't don't understand, maybe, or this is not clear. And, if, and if, of course, you know, you did sort of touch on something very lightly there around sort of mental health, potentially, for people that aren't doing so well, you know, working from home and feeling isolated from family and colleagues and yeah. so forth. And uh, I know that the Mental Health Foundation do a lot of work on workplace mm-hmm. wellness, um, are you sort of seeing a, a spike or a, a sets of issues that seem to be growing as a result of this, this culture of ours, this sort of slightly semi-pseudo-isolated work culture? Yeah, I, I haven't seen a, a huge spike, but I think there is, uh, you know, there are lots of great resources out there and the comment, you know, you do need to reach out to people, but sometimes when you actually get in that place, you're almost like beyond um, reaching out you don't you don't realize you know I was just talking to a friend in the weekend and she's been burnt out um, her partner also has and when you're in that place you don't necessarily see it so the important thing is as an employer or a colleague or whatever that you are looking out for your your mates basically and you see some of those behaviors because when you get there you don't actually necessarily know it but I think yeah. burnout Absolutely. Um, Many, many people, probably a bit toasty around the edges, maybe not quite there, but absolutely on that path. 
Mm. Oh, this has come up quite a bit in our podcast series, just burnout and fatigue. And um, I mean, I'm just interested because you did a really long stint at ANZ, you did 34 years. Um, and some of the things that have come through in the conversation is that burnout often happens when you do the same thing for a really long time. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's funny you say that because I'll often say when it, with clients too when I'm coaching them that um, are, you, are you stressed or are you bored? And for me, what used to come up, particularly sort of not long before I left, was I, I would make the comments, oh, oh, you know, stressed out. But in actual fact, I was bored. It was the same old, same old. Yeah. yeah. And so that was actually really what it was. And I didn't. Yeah, I didn't probably recognise at the time. I did realise probably that I was a bit bored. But now when I reflect back, well and truly, yeah. And often, yeah, yeah clients that I'm working with, they'll it'll be like an absolute aha for them. That, like, it's a big oh. moment of sort of revelation, yeah, a re- bit of a revelation. And, you know, we've talked about this and I guess sort of in a, the paradigm is it's a little bit like nutrition that you've got to have lots of colours on the plate and you've got to kind of eat what's seasonal. And this this notion of just, you know, ever-changing, interchanging, and that there's something to be said for uh, some workplace agility. And, of course, I think going forward, the generation that you and I were talking about earlier, the Zs and the Xs, um, you know, there's millennials as well to a degree, but I'm, I'm an X, you know, and I've had quite a few different jobs over the course of my professional life, uh, you know, probably because I've got a, a high boredom threshold, but it does sort of revive you and it keeps you sort of rejuvenated. And I think, you know, this younger generation are going to be, you know, I think they're going to be working with that as a mindset rather than going in and doing one thing in a line for the next. So we may find that over time, this, this, this conversation around workplace wellness shifts as our younger generations become more agile and a bit more sort of dynamic in what they do. Totally. No, I, I agree that, yeah, I think boredom's huge. And that thing of playing to your strengths also, you know, if you're not doing that, you're not living in the groove, yeah, it's um, yeah. might not be going so well. Interesting, interesting. I'd love to look at workplace wellness in 30 years' time and just see, A, what yeah. resources are being dedicated to organisations you know, what leaders look like and what are they doing about it and, you know, what, what employees' pain points are over over, over the next 30 years. Uh-huh. And I think AI and there'll be a lot of, like, intervention and, and that's going to change things up a lot. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so as we just move through here, we I just touched uh, lightly on the small to medium-sized firms because we know that the SMEs kind of make up the larger group of businesses in New Zealand. Uh, so I was sort of just interested, um, and, and you touched on it too, that often the smaller organisations, the people are sort of left behind a little bit because you said they're a jack of all trades and there's some exhaustion that's linked to that. So what would an employer do, you know, who's got a small team, um, to sort of make sure that their, their employees are valued? I think the really, really big thing and that we're just seeing all the time is around having conversations. So actually understanding what drives your people, what's important to them, and the, the five love languages, for example, and that's also by Gary Chapman, you know, written in business speak as well as to how people are appreciated there. So just really understanding what ticks the boxes for your people. You know, an employer might think it's... Um, you know, giving them a gift or whatever. Whereas Acts of service. Yeah. yeah, whereas actually, no, not at all. It might be quality time 
or what we're hearing just time after time is that people just want to be heard. People just actually want to be included, um, to have a conversation. Often, you know, there might be hard decisions to be made in a business, but I also reflect back on myself as well. And, you know, I had to, you know, what banking was like in the 80s, 90s sort of type thing, had to give sort of not good news at times. But I think when you understand the reasoning why and the rationale and all that sort of thing, it's so much better just hear people, include them, spend time with them, get their thoughts. And then, yeah, sometimes that message might not be the best news in the world. But um, if we can understand and be taken on the journey, then that's so important. So include your people, I suppose, is, is the advice there. Understand what they want. Don't just think, oh, we need to, um, yeah, let's do this. Just be really goal-driven. Yeah, we've got to execute, execute, execute. It's not all about, it's what is it, hands up or hands out? So if you sort of, you always got your hands, you know, if you've got your hands out all the time in that way where you're takey-takey, from the people that, you know, work for you, instead of sort of hands up, what can we give, what can we do, how can I add value? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, what are your thoughts, guys? What? How do you see this working? Just include people, ask them, have the conversations, don't take it for granted. Yeah. Well, that's a very good takeout, and I think anybody listening today will hopefully be reflecting if, if they're a manager of people or you know, a CEO or a founder, you know, are they making time for their people? Because oh. that does seem to be the critical takeout. Yeah. Um, I was yeah. interested in your resilience at work. I mean, look, this word resilience is, a, you know, I don't want to say it's been overused. It probably oh, does yeah. need to be used, but there seems to be this um, real reactive uh, force, if you like, or notion around what resilience looks like, particularly in the oh. workplace. I guess, you know, you work it in a way where it's a powerful approach to sort of measuring and building and tracking resilience in, in the workplace. But what does a what does a resilient you know workplace culture look like? Mm. So I think you know there's a difference too between resilient individuals and resilient teams. Um, but when we're talking, yeah, that culture in it. So you know for the for the employees collectively to be able to manage the everyday pressures and to remain healthy while they're doing it. But, you know, be adaptable to change and be proactive. So have that solution focus for future challenges. So for me, you know, resilience is all about, you know, we learn from our experiences. That's our, when things go wrong, that's how we learn and we grow through that time. And it's the same with a with an organisation and building that culture that, you know, there's no such thing as mistakes. They're actually learning opportunities and how do we grow from that so that it's a safe space. So that actually when we get this obstacle in the road in the future, what tools have we got in the toolkit? What have we got in the backpack that we can bring out to help us get through this. But I think very much around that solution-focused type language um, is so important. How do we how do we move forward? I mean, I'm, I'm just aware that a lot of organisations now have rolled out apps for their teams, um, yeah. resilience-type apps that their staff have to engage in. I think it takes about two minutes a day and they tick, 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 mm. they go through a bunch of questions. Um, and it's a sort of bot-like, so it has sort of automated, you know, responses. Do you, I guess there's a couple of questions in this. A, how effective are these apps really effective? And B, are they, do they replace somebody like you and the work that you do potentially? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think they do. And for, for some people, they might be great. Once again, a little bit like the love languages, what's the right thing, you know, to be using. But I also have heard feedback um, from some people using them to say, well, yeah, actually, we're not really going to be honest with it because we don't want them monitoring that and having a conversation with us. So you know, actually what sort of a true picture is that really giving? Yeah, it's almost like, a, is it like a big brother, a big brother sort of fear, like yeah, data's yeah, getting collected and it could be used against me? Yeah, or, or almost just really feeling like, well, I'm, I'm not wanting to have that conversation. I don't sort of type want that recorded. You know, that was a few views I've heard some from some people. So once again, it's like, Mm, how are your employees feeling? What's really going on for them? Well, how do you sort of skillfully manage emotions at work? Yeah, Touchy subject, true. right? And that is a really, really good question. Um, yeah, when things aren't going well, how do we keep ourselves in check? Um, I use a simple tool called pause, um, which is really just stopping when you do have a moment and reflecting. I think breathing, you know, breathing is the... Gosh, we all do it, but we all take it for granted, don't we? And so often we're sort of hyperventilating almost instead of really some of that deep stuff to keep ourselves in check. And then really just asking ourselves the question, what's really going on here for me? What's what's pushing my buttons? Why am I reacting in this way when we do have some of those strong emotions? Mm, that's right. And I think, you know, in the workplace, if there's sort of been a tough moment it can be very difficult to sort of bounce back, you know. So as a manager, it must be tricky to kind of handle an uncomfortable event or a situation um, because it's in that, you know, in-between period that the bounce back um, can sort of make or break an employee. So, I mean, are you dealing with a lot of that stuff with, with the yeah. work that you're doing? Yes, and I think often, um, once again, that is through the one-on-one -on -one type of thing where people just actually need to unload. So that thing maybe of some coaching, and, and I'll say to people at the end of a session, you know, what was your key takeout as you do? And often it'll be, I just needed to get that out. I just needed to verbalise it because we have so much stuff going on around in our head that actually who's in our corner uh, where we can actually just get this stuff out and make some sense of it. Um, which is so important that people have that space. It's taking it back to that being heard um, yeah. sort of recommendation that you're talking about, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm interested, um, Stats NZ, and this is a fairly recent stat, uh, back in 2019, talked about one in 10 workers feeling discriminated against, harassed or bullied at work. It seemed like a, a very high proportion and... Along with that, you know, women in particular seemed to be uh, getting the brunt of that um, across pretty much most of the verticals in, in the business, sort of in businesses, in the category of businesses. I was just interested in, you know, have you come up against much of that in the workplace? Not a lot, so much, um, but definitely aware that it is out there. And I know that the stats are really, really high. Um, we do come up, though, talking with employers who really haven't considered it, maybe they don't have any policy around it, they're not having conversations around it, so therefore what they're telling us um, at that level, there's not the awareness. Um, on the yeah. other side, it's here, but then when you're talking with individuals one-on-one, -on -one, that that sort of stuff more comes out. So once again, the mismatch and back to your culture, um, what are we really about? Totally. Yeah, and it, and it seemed um, that a lot of, you know, minority groups and, you know, females were sort of the targets for some of that. Uh, 
you know, Māori, uh, you know, women and other sort of ethnic groups, they felt as a group largely discriminated against. Mm. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I just guess I was interested because you're obviously working across the country, just Mm. how much of that you were sort of seeing in the workplace. Yeah. With the organisations that we've worked, that we are working with, not not huge, but that's not to say that that's not out there at all. Um, and so that maybe it was with those minority groups that we not we haven't been working with. So, yeah. and it may actually crop up more in that mental health arena as you dig deep and you know you toolkit it. And I, I was yeah. going to say I'm potentially seeing that more sort of one on one when people then maybe we do resilience work with the organisation, but some individuals have have coaching and that's where that sort of thing you know comes up absolutely and that was actually going going to so taking a step back you know when um I left the bank and and was just coaching women more one-on-one rather than the workplace that was what led me to this because time and time again these sorts of issues were coming up that's interesting yeah they might have come to me because they were feeling you know worn out stressed out overweight whatever it was that was showing up for them in their body but digging down underneath it was these things that we're talking about that were showing up for people surfacing yeah like self-esteem yeah. or worthiness or yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. some some of that yeah. that stuff um i mean yeah. obviously what you're doing is about it's making a change and making a positive oh. impact um and you're mm-hmm. you're sort of doing it collectively because while you work one-on-one you're actually able to change the the face of a business or an organisation. So there's a nice individual and collective uh, piece of work there that you're doing. Um, I I was just interested just, and I don't want to sort of put you too much on the spot, you don't have to name names, but have you got a really nice, you know, a really useful success story where you went into an organisation and there were sort of sets of issues and you were able to sort of make some changes? Mm. And this was this was a supermarket, and um, you can imagine the times that they're going through at the moment. We are still actually working with this organisation, but they were in the early stages of wanting to do something around um, well-being and looking at setting up a committee. So we worked with the organisation to get that in place, and they wanted to bring somebody external in um, too, just to have another voice. So you know, working with the with staff over a few sessions to actually get that up and going and to think about it strategically so what might that look like and um, then they actually got their um, first initiative off the ground um, which was based around Matariki um, and it linked back into the organisation's pillars you know what they were looking at and the, the great thing too that the um, the organisation wanted to do was to help develop leadership amongst people and they were just so surprised too and blown away with who came out of the water from the team um, that was able to actually drive the initiative and it brought together many of the dimensions of wellness when they were actually just thinking it was going to be one and actually how it had that ripple effect out. Mm -hmm. So yeah, by getting that in place, it was about um, enabling and supporting the organisation to do this work themselves we're not about going in there and doing the doing, it's about working in partnership and so now they're well equipped um, yeah, to to keep going forward and I just actually checked in with them the other day and I know that they're totally um, chaotic in the supermarket world um, but the leader yeah, just flicked me a quick text back saying that no, team's all great 
um, going well. So, yeah, and it's great to be able to work with an organisation like that who really cares about their people and their community. And it was actually bringing all of that together. So, yeah, they were great to work with. Great. Mm. And it sounds like that organisation also wanted to own it and be able to drive it themselves going forward. And that's probably where you get you start to see the results, right? Absolutely. It's not about, it needs to to come from them. And so, you know, we tend to say, yeah, we work with progressive organisations and partner with them because it's about the organisation doing it and the people. Yeah. And they had amazing people. Yeah. Well, it makes a difference, doesn't it? I just wanted to also touch on the fact that we're facing a time of uncertainty, obviously, with lockdown right now for all of us here in New Zealand and our cousins across the ditch who've had a lot lot, lot of a you know, longer time than we have even. Um, I was just interested in um, any tips, you know, for listeners today who, who are facing a time of uncertainty. And it might not be, uh, you know, just a lockdown for kind of uncertainty, but just uncertainty in general. What would be sort of a tip to strategize to work through that and feel better? I think that that very big thing of of reaching out to others, so who is in your support crew? Um, You know, I know I recently had a situation where, you know, I did have a down day, as we all do, but it was funny how um, I had conversations with a number of my friends and how that really just lifted me and also helped me to find perspective. I think it's really important to um, just watch out for your thoughts. You know, your thoughts are your thoughts, and we have sixty to 80,000 of those per day. So um, where are they going? Where are they taking you? That's, that's yeah. huge, and I think it's a really good point. Um, oh. Some of us, too, tend to have a bit more internal chatter, don't they, than others. That whole, that whole monkey mind that can go on and really that piece of maintaining perspective and reframing um, some of those thoughts that could be going on for yourself. So actually just, you know, actually, as I said before about pausing, um, catching yourself um, as to what is that thought and change the channel. You know, actually replace that thought and, and swap it out is really, really yeah. important. Um, but another good one, and it's a bit of a go-to for me too, if I can't get to sleep, is gratitude. So once again, you know, the neuroscience proves we can't think the monkey chatter that might be going on for us and gratitude at the same time. So it might be really basic as you're lying there in bed at night and all these th- thoughts are going around in your mind. I'm really grateful that I'm in my warm, cosy bed. I'm really grateful that I had dinner tonight night and for those who have enabled that to me to come to my table you know that type of thing um, can really really help or being even more specific with your gratitude too you know maybe with a colleague um, maybe with your partner whatever just rather than just saying hey look thanks for doing that for me thank you so much for helping me out with that I really love the way that you were able to um, bring that all together for me you know just being really specific and how you're going to feel good as well as that other person. So that can help just change your vibe up a little bit when you are facing uncertainty. It's about putting it into action, isn't it, though? Yeah, it absolutely is. But also to remember that uh, you're far more resilient than you would ever give yourself credit for. And we've also always got far more in the fuel tank. And look, I know, you know, there's business owners out there, there's people in hospitality, you know, there's certain industries in particular who are doing it really, really hard right now. Um, But that is that piece of reach out for help, talk to your local business organisation, get the support that you can get, um, take some some action. Um, Because sometimes that big thing too, if we don't know what we don't know. 
and somebody yeah. else might have that answer for us as to actually what is available. Yeah. Such such great advice, Robin. Thank you very much. And then yeah. just finally, I had one last question uh, for you today. I was just interested in, you, you touched on your journey in natural health. Um, I was just right at the beginning when you were sort of talking about your journey into wellness. So how do you stay um, healthy and well and sort of lead a fulfilled life? Like what are the other things, the other dimensions in your world? Mm. And I think the, the biggest thing is around the joy and creativity, which is often one that uh, we don't think of, but what does that piece actually look like for me? So, you know, we've got the things that we that are obvious that come to the table about eating well and exercise and sleep and that sort of stuff. So that's really, really important. Um, for me, it's also about getting out of nature I'm really lucky that I live very close to a reserve and I've got a favourite tree that I will go and sit under and um, can really just draw energy from that. So I think that links back into your purpose and I know when I let that one go, uh, yeah, maybe my day doesn't go so well. So spending time out there is really important, but also setting my day up. So starting that off with some positive intent as to how I want the day to play out, spending five, ten minutes in the morning doing that as a little morning ritual, um, that's really important for me as well. Um, links into, you know, spirituality, all that sort of thing, which doesn't necessarily mean religion, but it's just back to, to my beliefs yeah. and setting up some good intent for the day. And, and do you use meditation as a, as a pathway for that? Yeah, so that would be too. Like I love to go up to the to the tree and sit there. That might be my happy place to do that. I'm not yeah. I'm not huge on on meditation, but I think in its simplest form, meditation is just about having that space and that time to be for yourself. So you know, scheduling that time in the day. Um, you, you wouldn't bump an appointment with a, another important person, but we tend to bump that that appointment for ourselves. So making that space for ourselves is so important. That's lovely. And I do like the way you refer to the connection with nature. I have to say that is another strong theme that's been uh, something that's, uh, you know, revealed itself during these conversations, you know, at source is just the connection that we can have with nature and how it can really fuel our our minds and um, really brings that extra dimension of wellness to to us. So um, I'm I'm loving seeing all the threads that are sort of coming through, you know, breathing, connection to nature, diversity in terms of nutrition. uh, What does wellness mean in the whole sense? And you've really answered a lot of these questions today in a way that would I think incite some 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 thinking, particularly for managers and business owners who might not be providing enough time for their people, you know, their employees and listening and actually letting them have a voice. So, uh, well, look, Robin, thank you very much. If people want to, uh, you know, a business or an organisation wanted to get in touch with you or even an individual at Workplace Wellness, how would they do that? Yeah, so via our website, uh, workplacewellness.nz, send us an email, hello at Workplace Wellness, um, will come through to us. Yeah, reach out, love to to have a chat too. Excellent. Okay, that's great. Well, thanks so much for sharing that. And of course, your journey, your wellness journey, which has been, uh, it's been really interesting having just a chat today about you coming out of that corporate space and into this, into this very different, you know, wellness space. So thanks so much, Robin. Thanks for tuning in and joining our conversation and stay tuned for more episodes. Please rate, review and subscribe. Check out the show notes if you'd like to contact this episode's interviewee. 
At Source podcast does not accept any liability for the results of any actions taken or not taken upon the basis of information in this podcast or for any errors or omissions. Those acting upon information do so entirely at their own risk. We recommend that you seek professional assistance from certified doctors for your health and well-being issues.